Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Today we start our new series, Resetting Our Religion, Breaking the Rules for the Sake of Relationship. And we know that God is sovereign in this situation that we're facing that we don't understand. And we know that wisdom would call us not to become so obsessed with the human circumstances around us that we fail to acknowledge the spiritual season that we are in, missing out on the opportunities that come with it. Having said that, we identify that this is a season of resetting, of restoring, of kind of re-looking at priorities and the things that are most important. This idea of resetting has even been used in articles by Forbes magazine recently speaking into the situation our world is facing. And this principle has been expressed by many who are specialized in forecasting, the sense that we're kind of re-looking at our priorities and all the rest. The definition of resetting is to set again or anew. This is a sovereign season of reordering our priorities, reflecting on our purpose, reframing our riches and reconsidering the way we have lived and the way we will live after this period of time. Now, although there are opportunities in the season, there are also a lot of obstacles and struggles that we all face. In China, it was reported that the divorce rates increased with lockdown. In in England, domestic violence increased by 100% during this lockdown. And as someone struggling with levels of depression personally, I know that a lot of my inner struggles have been triggered during this lockdown and I'm sure it's been the same for many others yet like Jesus says although in this world we will have trouble we can take heart for he has overcome the world God has given us a season in which to reset and restore an order in our lives that may allow us not simply to continue surviving in the rat race but to begin thriving This lockdown situation also hasn't caused problems with marriages, domestic violence and depression. It simply revealed the problems that we've been able to bury in the busyness of our lives in the past. So can we together navigate this season of resetting so that we can come out of this healthier, stronger and more alive than ever before in ourselves, in our marriages and in our relationships with others? Jesus himself was led into a desert full of the Holy Spirit for 40 days just before starting his public ministry. During that 40 day period, Entering the desert filled with the Holy Spirit, he had to persevere through the temptation by continuing to put God's word over and above the words of temptation that could have led him off course. And it tells us that he came out of the desert season in the power of the Holy Spirit. God has led us into a season with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we embrace it and if we persevere and focus on God's word, we will come out of this with a power we did not possess before the season started. That is my prayer for you as we go on this journey together. 
I know that the first thing I'm doing when we come out of lockdown and it's safe to do so is to gather my friends at my house and have a braai. That's what we do in South Africa. We braai. Part of the reason for that is because being isolated has highlighted how significant and important relationships are in my personal life and how important they are in yours. And in fact, relationship is at the heart of God. In the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, we see God's ideal relationship with us through the way he engaged with Adam and Eve in intimate relationship, walking with them in the cool of the afternoon in the garden without rituals, ceremonies or religion. And that relationship reveals how we are created to live in God's presence continually in the same way. But after the fall of man, that relationship was lost. Then throughout the Old Testament, we read the documented pages of history around how man was striving with religious practices to try and make right that lost relationship. Then in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, 11 to 18, it explains how Jesus came to deal with what religion couldn't achieve so that we could be in that relationship with God again. It says every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offers the same old sacrifices year in, year out, and never makes a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. Then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. This is the good news for you today. And because of that, you right now in the middle of this circumstance can live out the words written in the New Testament book of Romans chapter 5, 11 to 13, which says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Jesus reset our standing with God from attempts with religious activity into freedom in relationship with our creator. There's freedom and relationship, no longer the weight of trying to perfect religious rules. But we often will default back to the weight of religious rules because we define our worthiness by what we do and we struggle to accept it purely because of what Jesus has already done. Author Preston Sprinkle in his book Charis writes about what Jesus did for us saying, He came to emancipate us from the burden to get it all right, from the obligation to fix ourselves, find ourselves and free ourselves. Jesus came to release us from the slavish need to be right, rewarded, regarded, and respected. Because Jesus came to set the captives free, life does not have to be a tireless effort to establish ourselves, justify ourselves, and validate ourselves. Once this good news grips your heart, it changes everything. It frees you from having to be perfect. It frees you from having to hold it all together. In the place of exhaustion, you might even find energy. You might even find freedom because grace changes everything. God's grace, in fact, offends the religious. 
for some of us watching right now, we are struggling with the fact that I have tattoos. And in fact, you might have struggled to hear what I'm preaching because it's been overshadowed by your awareness of the fact that I'm covered with a sleeve on my left arm. This just reminds us that we default to our religious understandings and ways of thinking. But we want to today reset our religion and begin living out of a revived relationship with God in this season that we are all facing together. Where religion has made you focus on what you must and mustn't do, we will refocus on how we can get closer to God in relationship. Where religion has minded you, reminded you of the moments in which you've broken the rules, we will see in relationship how we often break God's heart. Where religion has left you exhausted and stri from striving to succeed in behavior modification, we will surrender in relationship to God's work of transformation. George Barner, the founder of the Barner Research Group, specializing in faith-related surveys, writes in his book, Maximum Faith. Your frustrations with life concerning impact, purpose, identity, connectedness, image, reputation, joy, and security are likely to diminish in direct proportion to the degree of God-centered transformation you experience. This transformation can only happen if we engage with God beyond the religious emphasis of behavior modification. In fact, like Jesus, we may have to break some of the religious rule we have become accustomed to for the sake of deepening that relationship. We may have to upset years of assumptions about what we thought was right and wrong. And so let's embrace the season to reset. Theologian John Stott speaks about how Jesus broke the rules for the sake of relationship in his book, The Cross of Christ, when he wrote these words. Jesus had upset the Jewish establishment from the outset of his public ministry. To begin with, he was an irregular. Though he posed as a rabbi, he had not entered by the correct door or climbed up the right ladder. He had no credentials, no proper authorization. Next, he had courted controversy by his provocative behavior, fraternizing with disreputable people, feasting instead of fasting and profaning that Sabbath by healing people on it. Not content with disregarding the traditions of the elders, he had actually rejected them wholesale and criticized the Pharisees for exalting tradition above scripture. They cared more for regulations than for persons, he said. More for ceremonial cleansing than for moral purity. More for laws than for love. Over the next few weeks, we're going to break some of the rules that we've often assumed were required to be good Christians so that we can develop a deeper Christ-centeredness. I want you to forget what you've known about reading the Bible, praying, marriage, things like depression. I want you to forget, even if you've followed Jesus for many, many years, and we're going to reset religious approaches with relational ones. In 
Matthew's gospel in chapter 7 verse 22, we see this kingdom principle of relationship over religious practice when Jesus says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we pro- did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name? But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. These Christians had done all the Christian stuff, but Jesus didn't know them. And the word know here is the Greek word, which I only understand how to pronounce as genosko. And it means properly to know, especially through personal experience. It's about knowing God in personal relationship, not mere religious head knowledge. It's about being restored through Christ to a relationship God intended as he walked with Adam and Eve without ritual, ceremony, or religion. Here we see the idea that just because people do Christianity doesn't mean they know Christ in relationship. And even when we do, we can unknowingly default to works of religion while neglecting our relationship. And this is why in the book of Revelation, God speaks to the church of Ephesus, saying in Revelations 2, verse, chapter 2, verse 3 to 4, You have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Will you join me? In breaking some religious assumptions about Christianity and resetting ourselves to live Christ-centered lives in a life-giving relationship with the creator of the universe. Now, if you say yes to that, then the first step in our preparation for this series and this journey we go on is to drive out some of our own pharisaical tendencies What do I mean by that? Well, Pharisee in the Greek means separated one. In the time of Jesus, the Pharisees were one of the Jewish sects that were the most separated from the ways of the foreign influences that were invading Judaism and from the ways of common Jewish people in the land. You know, these guys were known as the holy men who kept the law. They were the holier than now, and they pursued purity with a passion, wanting nothing more than to live lives that pleased God. They were sincere, albeit sincerely misguided. In other words, their lack of relationship with God was hidden in their perfection of religious rules which Jesus failed to meet. God himself was rejected by those Pharisees most desiring him because God in the flesh didn't match up to the rules of their studied religion. We also sometimes fall into the trap and We need to drive out some of those tendencies and break some of those religious assumptions that we've accepted for the sake of deepening our relationship with a God that is far beyond all we could ask or imagine. Author Richard Raw said, religion is one of the safest places to hide from God. Jesus described these Pharisees when he said in Mark's gospel, chapter 7, verse 6, 
These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, over and above my Christian activity, or what it has been in the past, how close is my heart to God? In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 22 in the New Testament, King David from the Old Testament is described as a man in search of God's own heart. David was misunderstood at times in his life. He was unfairly persecuted and he fell into sin, yet he loved God with all his heart. There were times where God didn't seem to make sense when David looked around him at his circumstances. He had been anointed, for example, as the king of Israel, yet was running away from Saul, who was sitting on the throne that he was called to lead the nation of Israel from. It didn't seem to make sense. And in those moments where his circumstances didn't seem to make sense and align to the promises of God, he continued to hold on to God and trust him. He wrote in Psalm 121 verse 1 to 2, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. David describes how his first reaction to hardship or circumstances he doesn't understand is to look for size and power that makes sense to him and can be measured in his human experience. He looks to the grandeur of the mountains, but then he looks up toward his omnipotent God and declares, no, at the end of the day, my God is my helper. Knowing God isn't always about being able to trace his hand. It's more about trusting his heart when things don't make sense. Because as he describes in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 to 9, his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours. Often God's ways were higher than David's understanding, yet he trusted God's heart when he couldn't trace God's hand. For the Pharisees, the irony was what they thought was Jesus' lack of understanding of the law was actually God's ways that were higher than theirs. And so they rejected him in their hearts and covered up their rejection with lip service, with religious lip service. The Pharisees thought their understanding of God and his ways were enough to make a judgment on what was right and wrong. But it was the very thing that led them to reject Jesus. When they looked at Jesus in the context of their religious understanding and learnings of the law, they said, this is not the way he should look. That's not who he should be spending his time with. That's not what he should be doing on the Sabbath. Our learned understanding can become the very thing that causes us to overlook God and what God might be doing in circumstances that don't seem to make sense. But the more we truly know God in relationship, the more we can trust his heart because of who he is, not what we expect him to do. One of the first things that we need to do to remove our own pharisaical 
tendencies is to acknowledge that although we can know God, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. That means God doesn't need to make sense in your context for you to accept him as your savior. Be those after God's own heart in relationship beyond mere religious lip service. We are going to need to embrace thinking that goes beyond the familiar context of the way we have thought in the past. We're going to need to invite truth to intrude our religious assumptions and challenge our learned behaviors from the way we pray to our service toward others. And next week, we're going to start by reframing our understanding of prayer. Today, we started by acknowledging that religion is about the weighty striving for behavior modification, but how God desires relationship in which we experience transformation. And Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the New Testament says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As the pattern of this busy world is halted in this time and season, God is resetting and restoring. And it begins with a mind that is renewed. This is what our series is all about. Reframing the way we think, breaking religious assumptions and unspoken rules for the sake of relationship with God. For the sake of revived, deeper relationship with God. And when that happens, we begin to satisfy our frustrations with life concerning impact, purpose, identity, connectedness, image, reputation, joy, and security. At one moment in history, after the Holy Spirit had filled the G- Jesus followers, his disciples, they began then to share the good news of our restored relationship with God through Christ. But many of them were persecuted by those very same Pharisees and teachers of the law that had persecuted Jesus. At one point, two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, without credentials or theological degrees, stood before the teachers of the law and spoke to these persecutors with authority and power. And in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 13 in the New Testament, it records, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The power of God working in the lives of his followers was not determined by how much religious head knowledge they had, but who they had been with in relationship. What may others say about our ordinary lives after coming out of lockdown? If we choose to be with Jesus intentionally in this season. Some of God's greatest work is going to happen in your life in this season. If you will allow God to reset your religion 
and restore an intimacy in a revived relationship with Him. Our prayer for this time is going to be the words of Psalm 79 verse 9. And we're going to be posting on social media a digital wallpaper with this psalm so you can save it on your phone or your laptop. And every time you open it or go onto your phone, you can pray this prayer back to God over the next week in preparation for the rest of our journey. And it's these words as the psalmist writes. Our hero, come and rescue us, O God of the breakthrough. For the glory of your name, come and help us. Forgive and restore us, reset us. Heal us and cover us in your love. As we trust God to do that, resetting our religion, reviving that intimate relationship with the Father, I want us to take a moment and I want to pray this back over your life today. And I'm going to ask you to participate with me in this by putting your hand on your heart as I pray for you today. Father God, I thank you that your power is released, making the ordinary extraordinary. Not when we perfect religious rules, but when we pursue you in intimate relationship. Father, I pray that as our hero, you would come in the midst of the season and rescue us. That, Father, you would be the God of breakthrough like we've never seen before. That you would come and you would help us. That you would forgive us for getting caught up so busy doing things that are religious, that we failed to embrace and keep Um, a focus on our intimate relationship with you. Restore us and heal us and cover us in your love that casts out all fear. In Jesus' name.